ready to hear the word, ready to receive the seed. So we hope today that, that you're ready for that and that the word of God will do you some good this morning. I believe it will if you listen. Amen. Uh, the, the word, the Bible declares that the word will never return void. It, it always will accomplish its purpose. What it comes down to is how willing our hearts are to receive it. So I hope that you've got a willing heart this morning. If you want to turn to the book of Revelation chapter 12, uh, I'll kind of give you a head start. We're not going to start there, but we'll, we'll be there eventually. So go ahead and look up Revelation chapter 12 and uh, have your finger there. I want to start by reading a verse. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to have this up on the screen. First um, Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary or your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How many of you have ever played hide and seek when you were a kid? How many of you ever played hide and seek after you became an adult when you had kids? Of course you hide and, hide and seek is like a part of the human race, it seems like. I think probably every nationality plays hide and seek in some form or fashion. And we know that in the game of hide and seek, the best hiding place wins the game, right? You have somebody that's out looking and seeking, but if you have that good secret hiding place that nobody knows where you're at, especially the person seeking you, you win the game. That's your safe place. And so the title of my message this morning is Secret Hiding Place. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll, we'll jump into this today. Father, we, we run to you this morning as we have already felt your presence in this place through the worship, Lord, uh, the music that ministered to our hearts and our souls and prepared our hearts for the word today. So we pray, God, that you would plant it deep in our hearts. God, as you see us all individually, you know what we need to hear. And I pray that today this will not just be a, a sermon, God, that it won't just be a message and a time filler. I, I pray, God, that you might help me to step aside, um, that by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you might speak this word the way you want it spoken today, that it might accomplish a purpose uh, in the hearts of the people. God, that we won't leave, hear a sermon and leave here still um, bound by our fears and anxieties, but that today we might experience deliverance, God, that we might come into that place of peace that you have prepared for those who follow you. And I trust you to accomplish that today, for it's in the name of Jesus I pray all of these things. And everybody say amen. 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 Peter is writing this letter to Christians who are being persecuted like crazy. We've been studying First Peter on Wednesday nights. They're being persecuted on every hand, many of them losing their lives. And, and Peter's putting everything in perspective for them and encouraging them to continue going on. And he says, look, the main thing is that you're watchful, you're sober-minded, that you're not cluttered by the things of the world because the bottom line is our enemy. How many of you believe that the devil exists? Amen? You know, we get, we get all weirded out sometimes about the things that are going on in the world and we wonder what in the world is going on and why, uh, why all these things are happening. And we, sometimes we just forget we have an adversary. We have an, an enemy. Satan is very much real and in the world to cause as much pandemonium and chaos in our life as he possibly can. And, and uh, Peter, warning, we have an enemy, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's what lions do. They prowl and they look for someone weak, someone they can feast on. And Satan, as much as God is involved in your life, Satan wants to be involved in your life. Amen? Uh, God is no respecter of persons, the Bible says, which means that God loves every single individual the same. He cares about us the same. And you might say that, that the devil is no respecter of persons either, either in the sense that he wants to destroy everybody. He wants to destroy you just the same as he wants to destroy me. Seeking whom he may devour. And so if we're going to, as we get through uh, life, if we're going to stay clear and, and win in this game, win in this war 
against the enemy. We have to have a hiding place. We have to have a place that we can go. And there is a place, and I want to talk about that today, that place where we're hidden from Satan for just a time. Now, I want to make it clear this morning that we don't have to be afraid of Satan. Amen. We know he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and he causes so much pain and chaos in the world. But the child of God does not have to be afraid of Satan. I'm not talking about going to a secret place, a hiding place to try to hide from Satan because we're afraid of him. We go there uh, to hide from his lies so that they don't frighten us. Satan is limited as to what he can do. God limits him, but his lies can really scare us. Amen? Let me read a list because let's just face it, Satan has, a lot, has plenty of material to use on us these days. Let me read you just a list of words that you've heard a lot in the past six months for sure and in years. Words that have a tendency to kind of make us uncomfortable. Words that spark a little bit of anxiety and fear in us. Words like COVID-19, pandemic, quarantine, riots, racism, natural disasters, earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis, political deception, cancer, economic shutdown, unemployment, nuclear weapons, Muslim extremists, jihad, war, and the list goes on and on and on. And that's all on top of our everyday trials and temptations that we go through as a human being. That's a long list of yuck, right? There's a long list of weapons and tactics and fear tactics that Satan uses to try to destroy all of us. Amen? And we, even as believers in Jesus Christ, let me tell you something, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor now for 12 years. I've been in the ministry for 20 years. And I still... When I stop and think about some of these things, it makes me feel uneasy because we're human. And we recognize the wake of destruction that all of these things leave. And so despite all of this and knowing that these things are present in the world around us, knowing that the enemy is using these things to, die, to try to destroy me, let me encourage you with what the scripture says today in Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Let me repeat that. I mean, that's a lot to be anxious about, right? I mean, we're living in a time where we, there's never been a time in, in, in American history where people have had so much. I mean, we have so much. Yet there's never been a time really where people were more full of anxiety and fear and stress and depression and all of these things that just suck the life out of us. The enemy has declared war. Do you believe that this morning? Think about, but think about this, amidst all of this stuff, God's ultimate response to us is, don't be anxious about any of it. But in everything, in, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And look at this promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep you from falling apart amongst all of these types of things that we just got done saying. God provides for us a place to hide in which we have a peace and we're hidden for a time from the lies that Satan would have us to believe. Now, if you're there in Revelation chapter 5, I said all that to kind of set the stage for this. Revelation chapter 12, and I want to read the whole chapter. 
And there's a lot of symbolism here, and I'm not gonna, my, my intention this morning is not to uh, teach an expository Bible study on the, on the 12th chapter of Revelation. There's a lot of uh, meanings in here and symbolisms, and that's, my point isn't to unveil all of that. Um, but so as we go through here, look at the picture in your mind, and then you'll see, I think, where we're going with this. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his head. heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven, and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. And one picture we see here, which you may have picked up, is that we know obviously that when Mary became uh, pregnant with Jesus, that Satan did what he could to destroy. Remember, Herod went out to to kill all the babies in the land in an attempt to to destroy um, Jesus. So we see that picture here too, but let's let's take it a step further. The woman fled into the wilderness, and this is the key. Look at this. If you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to this verse. The woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. Now, not to get ahead of myself, but we'll find here in the very last verse of this chapter that ultimately this woman we read about ultimately represents you and I. It represents the church. Let me read that verse, verse 17, and then we'll, go, we'll backtrack. The dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, uh, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That sounds an awful lot like the church, amen? If you are as a Christian. She has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Let's read a little further. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, who accused them before God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Now listen to this next verse. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you that dwell in them. In other words, heaven's got it made now because there's no longer an accuser. Satan has been cast out. But the but woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Now by show of hands, how many of you live on the earth? Okay, that's about 80, 75, 80% of you. Um, so I'm not sure where the rest of you live. But for those of us who live on the earth... This pretty much encompasses all of us. Woe, what does it mean when the Bible says woe? It means uh, this is really bad, okay? Woe, look out to all of you who live on the earth, okay? So if that's you, this is what he says. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you, knowing, or excuse me, having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. The, The devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour in the earth, looking to destroy all of us. Woe to you who live on the earth, because Satan isn't just doing this as a hobby, folks. He hates you 
with a hatred that you cannot fathom in your mind. You look, at, look on the news and watch the riots and the racism and look at the hate that is in people's eyes for one another. You can see literally the hatred on their faces. Do you know where that hatred comes from? As much hatred as there is there, it's not a drop in the bucket for how much Satan hates you, especially as a child of God. The devil coming down to the earth having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. Number one, as we see this day, the world unfolding, and my goodness, you look around us, and I know that it's scary times, but folks, I believe that we're living in a day where we're, we could soon see the return of Jesus Christ. That we're living in the last days. I mean, look at, Mitt Ryan and I were talking, we had church before church. You look at the technology and how it has developed in such a short period of time over these last, you know, for thousands of years, it was horse and buggy. And then boom, within a hundred year period, we're going from horse and the buggy to, to, to going to the moon. We can, you can get on your phone and, and look at somebody's face and talk to them across the globe. All of these things taking place in a very short period of time. My point is this, Satan knows that he has a very short time to get all of the destruction in that he can get in, so he is ramping up the fire. All of these things that we listed this morning, we shouldn't be shocked. In fact, Peter, in 1 Peter, he says, don't, don't think, don't be shocked at all of the fiery trials that are coming in your life as though some strange thing has happened to you. This is all by plan. It's by design. Satan knows he's got a short time, but here's the bottom line, folks. Even, even if, let's say the Lord tarries another thousand years. I personally don't think that he will. I think he'll be back by then. But let's say that it's another thousand years before Jesus returns. From the time you're born to the time that you die, no matter how long of a period that is, even if you live to be 100 years old, the Bible refers to that time period as a vapor of smoke. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. From the time we are born, when was it that the dragon was trying to destroy the baby of the woman? As it's being born, right? From the time we're born to the time we die, if that's 100 years, such a small span of time, Satan knows he has a very small window to get you and to get me and to destroy us and get us to believe him rather than believing in God. This wrath that the devil has to those, but now look at this. So that, does that scare us because the devil's after us? Shouldn't, and this is why. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Now think about this for just, let me, let me draw an analogy here for a moment. Mary Mary had Jesus within her, right? And she brought him forth to the world. And that brought an element of persecution. Satan was out to destroy her and Joseph and the baby. But she endured and she brought forth Jesus to the world. And you and I now as the church, the bride of Jesus Christ, we have Jesus. We have the spirit of Christ in us. And it is our job, our calling to bring Jesus out unto the world. And because of that calling and because of that duty, because of that anointing, it brings an enormous attack from hell because he wants to stop that. So this woman that's being persecuted, who gave birth to the male child, who brought Jesus into the world, the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. We're talking about that secret hiding place. Now look at this verse. Took her to the wilderness to her place, where we read a minute ago, was prepared for her by God, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time, look at this, from the face of the serpent. 
The devil is a roaring lion or a serpent, goes about seeking whom he may devour. War, plague, temptation, all of these types of things. And it becomes, but God said, I'm going to give my people a place they can go to, hidden for a time. We're going to face the devil until the day that we die. We're going we're gonna to have to put up with his temptations and his trials and his attempts to lie to us in fear. That's always going to be a thing. But when it gets so overwhelming that we feel like we're about to fall apart, God said, I have provided a place for you to go where you can be nourished, where you can be restrengthened and refilled. It's a, it's a, little, it's a little time away from, God, from Satan's tactics. All of the fiery darts of the wicked the Bible says in Ephesians 6.16, Paul says, above all, take the shield of faith. Get behind the shield of faith. Use the shield of faith that you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. What are the fiery darts of the wicked? Have you, ever, have you been tempted this week? Did anybody besides me get tempted this week? You don't have to raise your hand. That's probably about 10% of you, and I know better than that. If you live on earth, those of you that don't live on earth, you, maybe you didn't face temptation, but the rest of you who live on earth, this week, you probably faced a temptation in some sort or fashion. That's a fiery dart of the wicked. When you're watching the news and you see all of this and this fear kind of swells up within you, you start feeling anxiety. That's a fiery dart of the wicked. The Bible says that it's our faith. Faith placed correctly. Faith in Christ that quenches, that keeps all of those fiery darts from getting to us. Amen? That we might live in a place of peace that passes all understanding and not be destroyed by the, by the fear that is gripping the rest of the world. We have a hope, my friends. We have a hope beyond anything that this world has through Christ Jesus. He gave her this place from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent, he's trying everything that he can. So the serpent spewed out water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, that's you and I, that's the church, to, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it. You'll notice as you read this whole thing, the bottom line, again, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of meanings in here, not to pull that apart, but the bottom line, what, what you find, no doubt what stands out in this scripture is that Satan is always one step behind God's people. No matter what he does, he can never quite catch, he can never quite overcome. Why? Because there's that place. There's that trust, there's that faith, there's that confidence in God that always reminds us that no matter what lie I hear in my voice, I know that my God will be faithful. I know that I can trust in him. I know that, I, I know that he, he feels, he, he's touched by the feelings of my infirmities. When I'm sick, when I'm down, when I'm overwhelmed, God cares about that. And he wants me to, to trust him as my heavenly father. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. He said, come to me. Say that with me. Come to me, Jesus. There's a lot of places people try to go to hide from their anxiety, hide from their fear. A lot of places people can go. People run to alcohol and drugs and money and 
friends and hobbies and just trying to get past some of it, to get a little relief, only to find that it was a lie. Only to find that that thing that you tried to go to for rest and for hiding, it, it bit you. Only to find that it didn't provide the comfort that you really were looking for. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. All you who labor and are heavy laden. You know what that means to be heavy laden? You know what I'm talking about. When work and kids and the bills, sickness, maybe you're aging folks. COVID, pandemic, all of these things. And the world just feels like it's on top of you. Anybody besides me ever felt that? And it feels heavy in your mind and your heart. It just feels heavy. And you can be your life pretty good for the most part and you're happy, but you just feel heavy because of all of these things. And Jesus said, when you're heavy laden, burdened down with all of these cares, come to me and I will give you rest. I will, I will lift that load. He said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My burden is easy, he said. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He gives us another invitation in Matthew 6, 6. He said, but you, when you pray, when you pray, let me, let me, let me say this, There's, there, is, there is no other uh, relief other than the presence of God. And we get to the presence of God through prayer. So if we neglect prayer and seeking God, we don't come unto Jesus, then we're destined to abide in all of this anxiety and fear. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, the King James says your closet, go into your closet, that prayer closet we talk about. And when you've shut your door, I love this, pray to your father who is in the secret place. King James says it that way, or the new King James. Pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God says, I've got a place prepared for you. He prepared a place for the woman. And God says, I've been preparing a place for you that when life is really weighing down heavy on you and fear and anxiety begin to grip, you go to that prayer closet and God says, I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to meet you there. If, if prayer to us is just a religious act that we kind of just do because we have to it won't do us a whole lot of good but if prayer becomes our lifeline if prayer becomes our connection to God if we get to the point where I can't I can't function in my day until I've had time in the presence of God he said go to your closet get alone with me and listen and I can bring the peace that passes all understanding and folks I'm not telling you something that I, I've not tested and tried myself I have gone I have gone weeks sometimes. And it's not, that I didn't, it's not that I didn't pray for weeks. I prayed the normal stuff. But I've gone for weeks and just be burdened and stressed and worried and all of this junk. And, but I just keep marching forward and I just keep going. And I finally get to the point where it's like all of a sudden I have this great feeling. I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like I want to cry and I don't know why. You ever feel that way? And it's just like finally the Lord knocking on my head 
you, you haven't really come to that place yet. Remember, I, I prepared a place for you to go, that intimate prayer where you can just spill everything to me and I can surround you with my presence. I, I, this, is like, this is like crawling up in God's lap. A little child who hears the thunder roar and the, and the lightning strike and, and there's anxiety and there's fear because of the storm. When they crawl up into their dad's lap, there's a sudden sense of peace. It didn't make the storm go away, but it made them feel easy because they had trust and confidence in their father. God said, there's a place in the spirit. This is not a place you can get in your car and go to. This is a spiritual place. You can only get there through the spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit takes you to this, this place. And only I finally get myself stopped and I get alone somewhere and just get honest with God. Sometimes the prayer and the words begin to flow and sometimes I sit there and all I can do is weep but I, I suddenly feel God's presence and his word scriptures coming back to my mind that reassure me that I'm still God's child, that he's still, that he has not left me, he has not forsaken me and even though all of these fiery darts of the wicked are going, if as long as I stand behind the shield of faith, not one of them will destroy me. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Bible says, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. God said, I will meet you in that secret place, that place you can get to hidden from the face of the serpent for a time to get your wits about you, to get strength for the, for the next battle. You know, we read one place in scripture where Elijah, the prophet of God, got kind of overwhelmed by things that were happening in the world. In fact, he had a death threat. You know, I mean, the queen, she had the power to do it, and she, she sends out a, a bounty on his head and a promise that she's going to kill him. That could be kind of overwhelming. I mean, how many of you say that would be a source of anxiety? And he runs to the cave, and he curls up in the fetal position, and he's kind of just like, well, God, kill me now, right? But in that hiding place, that secret hiding place in that cave, God met him there. Right? He, he got quiet and he listened for a little while. God met him in that place and spoke to him. Gave him the words that he needed to get back up on his feet and march forward. God didn't call us to hide all the time in our house. He didn't call us to hide in the church. He called us to go out into the world and preach the gospel. And it's ugly out there. What do you, he said, what, 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 what you do, what God sees you do secretly, he will reward you openly. What God produces in you in that secret place, he's able to give you the power to do out in the open. Because Elijah, God spoke to him and he got the word he needed from God, but he still had to get out of that cave. He had to go out and face the world again. I'd love it. I, I wish, I guess, I, I don't know if I'd like this or not, but I guess we could all just come live here in the church. I think we love each other. I'm not sure we could last that long. I don't know. Everybody just quit your job. We'll just live in the church and we'll just, we'll just cut the whole world off and be happy, not have to worry about anything. But then we'd have to start having worrying stuff about within us. God said, you're in the world. And you got to face the world. Elijah, get out of this cave. You've still got work to do out there in the world. But this place that you've been in, this where the still small voice, God's, God's voice spoke to him and brought the peace that he needed to go forward. Moses spent a little time in a cave too, come to think about it. Moses was a little bit discouraged about the direction of his country. His, the Israelites had been so rebellious 
that finally God comes to Moses and said, Moses, I can't go with you guys anymore. The, the thing that set the Israelites apart from every other nation of the world was the fact that their God went with them. Everywhere they went, God went. It was obvious that their God was among them. I mean, mountain with thunder and lightning and parting Red Seas, it was obvious. And God said, but they're so rebellious and stiff-necked, I, I'm afraid I'm going to kill them. And so I can't go with them. So basically what God says, Moses, I'll just send an angel with you. I'm not going to leave you on your own completely. I'll send an angel. As we go down, go down through, I think it's around I don't know, Exodus 33, maybe somewhere through there. We go down through that, Moses basically comes to the conclusion. He says, God, look, I'm paraphrasing this a bit, but this is what he's saying. God, I, I'm, I, an angel, thanks for the angel offer, but I don't, that's not good enough for me. I, I got to have your presence. I have to have you. And, and basically Moses said, Lord, if you don't go with us, then don't take us a step farther. I have to have your presence. I have to hear your voice. It's the only thing that gives me sanity. It's the only thing that calms the fears is when I can hear your voice and be in your presence. In fact, and Moses had been up on the mountain. He knew, he knew God's presence like nobody had ever known it before. But there was always a longing and a desire for more. And, and seeing the calling and the work that God had for him to do ahead, Moses said, God, in fact, I'm asking you, show me your glory. I want to, not only do I want to hear your voice, I want to see you with my eyes. And God did for him what he's really never done for any other human being. God said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you see me, part of me. God said, yeah, I can't let you see my face. If you were to see my face, the, the glory in God's face, we well, would just fall over dead. So God said, here's what I'm going to do for you, Moses. I'm gonna, he took him up, takes him up on the side of the mountain, and there's a little cave, a little cleft in the rock. And God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in that cleft of the rock, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold my hand over you so that as I'm passing by you don't get a glimpse of my face because then you'll just die I'm going to hold my hand over you and as I'm passing by once I get past I'm going to pull away my hand and I'm going to let you see my back <laughs> and M Moses sitting there can you imagine what that would have felt like can you imagine that there would have been anything anybody could have ever told Moses in that moment that would have made him be afraid? He wouldn't have been afraid of nothing in that moment. He's seeing God in all of his glory in a way like he's never seen him before. And it subsides all of his anxieties. It subsides all of his fears. And he's able to come down off that mountain and do a very difficult job that God had called him to do. And so you and I, it would be really cool to see God. I've asked him before, huh? Uh, don't tell me you haven't. We want to, right? We want to see him with our natural eye. But here's the thing in our day now, we have God living within us. We have the Holy Spirit, which means that there are times when we get still and we get alone with God, that we go to that place, God literally in a spiritual sense says, I, I will let you see me, not with your natural eye, but I'll, I will pass by you. I'll pass, I'll pass by you and let you see, let you feel, let you sense my presence. And folks, when we get into that place in the spirit where we sense the presence of God, fears and anxieties begin to melt away. There's a moment where you realize there's, there's nothing that can overcome me. If God before me, who can be against me? 
What is there in the world? Can COVID-19, I can't die die from COVID-19 unless God allows it. It's my time to go and that's what takes me out. That's just my time to take me out. But ultimately nothing. I mean, we see that in Job, right? All of this destruction happened in Job, but it was only what God had allowed. God is in control of my life. He's in control of your life. And when we really come to believe that, it creates a peace that nobody else can understand. Amen. Amen? Peace that passes all understanding. We need that place. Man, Moses, you know, when Moses come down off the mountain after seeing God and being in that, that secret place for a time, the Bible says that his faith literally glowed. He's come down off the mountain. The people, they know he's been up there for a while. Imagine it. Imagine if I had went, I'd, I'd been, it's bad to say I spent, I don't remember how long he was up there, 40 days was it, something like that. Let's, let's say I'd spent a week or two praying and, and, and fasting and seeking God and I got up here to preach to you and my face was literally glowing like an angel's face. You'd know I'd been with God, right? Say, normally we see horns. Today we see a halo, right? His face glowed. His, his, his countenance was different. The Bible says that a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. When our heart is at peace and at rest, that shows in our face and in our countenance. Can we live under the heavy laden stuff of natural disasters and racism and police, I mean, uh, uh, political deception and economic shutdown. Can we really live surrounded by all of this and be at peace? If we can't have that, then this isn't true. Amen? But I believe this is true. Oh yeah, we're, it's not that we're not gonna face times of anxiety and fear, don't get me wrong. When our life is centered here, that those anxieties and fears don't destroy us. Satan doesn't win over our life because anxieties and fears and stress and all these things becomes a handicap to us. It, it cripples us in the sense that we can't really fully do what God wants us to do and that's what Satan ultimately is trying to accomplish. I mean, we gotta, I encourage you, I, I'm not so foolish as to think that one sermon, especially one sermon preached by me, is just gonna, you know, take you away all of your fears and anxieties and, and bring you into this glorious place of peaceful euphoria all at once. But if this message at least sparks a thought in you that maybe if I start, number one, believing that this place exists, that, that, it, that I can live in the spirit. The Bible says if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. When I start talking about living in the spirit, that may seem completely foreign to you. I I don't understand really where you're getting. So what if you just started praying, God, teach me how to live in the spirit. Teach me what the spirit is. Teach me how to pray in the spirit. That's where God, that's where we learn. And we begin to prepare ahead of time. You know, when when Noah knew this big storm was coming, he needed a hiding place, didn't he? He needed a shelter. He needed a refuge that he could get in out of the destruction but he had to start preparing that ahead of time. He didn't wait till it started raining to start building. He prepared ahead. He knew that he needed a place of shelter. Don't wait till you lose your job to to, to start getting close to God. Don't wait till sickness hits to decide, okay, I'm really gonna get serious about him now. No, do it ahead of time. Prepare that place now, that closet, that prayer room, that time, that relationship with God now so that you're prepared and you're ready 
How many of you ever read the book, uh, The Hiding Place by uh, Corey Tim Boom? You ever read that? If you haven't, you ought to read it, honestly. It's a, it's a phenomenal book. Just, it's in a nutshell. Corey Tim Boom was a, a lady who lived back during um, the uh, Holocaust, World War II and the Holocaust, and her and her family would hide Jews. Uh, you know, Jews were being carried away by the droves to the, cham- the gas chambers and everything by the Nazis. And so Corey Tim Boom and, and her family built a secret room in their house. It was upstairs in one of the bedrooms. They, they literally built a, a wall. Like say, there's, that's, that's the real wall of their house. But they built another wall out here that looked like that was the wall of the house, but it was literally a room. It was a hiding place. And so they would sneak Jews in and hide them in that room. And, and the Nazis knew that people were doing this, and so they were raiding homes trying to find, you know, hidden Jews. And I remember in this book, Corey Ten Boom said that they would rehearse and they would practice and they would train ahead of time so that if the Nazis ever came in, they would kind of, they wouldn't be caught unaware and spill the beans. They would, they would know what to do. And she, and she, she gave one account of when uh, she was in the middle of the night, dead asleep and her family and the ones who were doing all of this, uh, helping to train and get ready, they, they came in, they waked her up in the middle of the night and they were really loud, where's the Jews, where's the Jews? And they were acting like Nazi soldiers and she was so disoriented, so disoriented because you know, you know how it is when you wait, first wake up and you're like, you don't know what's going on. Uh, my son did that the other day. <laughs> he, was, he was taking, I looked over and he'd fallen asleep on the couch and he had like this little blanket and he looked cold. And so I just like kind of put a blanket over him and he went, he, looked, he gave me this look like I had just smacked him in the head or something. You know, you, when you wake up, you're just disoriented. You don't, know what's, you don't know what's going on. And so she wakes up and she's so disoriented. And they're like, where's the Jews? Where's the Jews? And she says, what Jews? What Jews? What? She, there were Jews hiding, but, you, but the point was they had trained for that. So that when the time comes, because otherwise, when you wake up from dead sleep, they say, where's the Jews? Where's the Jews? You say, well, in the room. In the, in the, in the, but they, they drilled it, they ingrained it in them. And when the Jews, fi- or the Nazis finally did, eventually raid their home, and all of this happened, they, they stole, they knew that Corrie ten Boom and her family were hiding them, but they didn't find the Jews. <laughs> they were still tucked away in their hiding place. They prepared, they trained, they were ready for an, a, an intimate, a, 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 a moment where they knew was bound to happen. And the Nazis would break in. And so we know, based on everything that we've read here today, the lion, or the devil, as a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. Shouldn't we train? Shouldn't we prepare our hearts? Shouldn't we prepare our minds? So that we're not caught unawares by these things. We can... Now, the purpose of this message this morning isn't to be gloomy, really. It's the, actually the opposite. I know it seems gloomy when you talk about all of these things and we could all come in here and stick our heads down in the pews like an ostrich and pretend like the world's a great place, but it's just not. And these are things that we know we have to deal with so we can either just, just fill our minds with other stuff so we don't have to think about it, or we can prepare ourselves. We can seek the God who has promised to keep us and protect us. Let me ask you, just let me ask you a simple question. Where do you hide? Where, where's your hiding place? When you get overwhelmed and it's just more than you can stand, where do you go? We, if we don't hide from a storm, we're completely exposed to its dangers. Isn't that true? 
and any other hiding place but Jesus is like taking shelter in a tornado from a tornado in a house made of toothpicks. Anything but Jesus is no protection at all, really. I want to read just, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I want to just blow through five verses here that are in Psalms and Proverbs that just talk about this very thing. And I, I hope that the word of God will minister to you. I hope that you will open it. Listen to what these scriptures are saying. Take them as a promise from God and let it soak into your spirit, okay? Psalm 32 and 7 says you, speaking to God, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Psalm 17, 8 through 9, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me. Psalm 46, 1 through 3, God is our refuge. What is a refuge? It's a hiding place. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Present help, meaning he's there, he's near, he's close. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children have a refuge. His children, his church, have a place, a hiding place, prepared by God from the face of the enemy for a time, for refreshing. Psalm 27, 5, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And the verses go on and on and on. Those same lines. He will lift me high upon a rock. He will place me in the rock. There's an old song we used to sing in the church I grew up in. It said, hide me, O blessed rock of ages, till thy blessed face I see. Thy face I see in glory. That was always my favorite part. <clears throat> when the storm around me rages, rock of ages, hide thou me. That song has been in my spiritual gizzard, if you have one. It's, been in my, it's just been in my spirit for a week and a half. When all this stuff happens and I hear it, I'm just like, Hide me, oh blessed rock of ages. Take me to that place where I can just be reassured that you are still very, very much in control. Amen. It's the best place in the world to be.